Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. Good day. My name is Evelyn Aka. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. We are based in Calgary, Alberta, and we have two offices in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada as well. I focus primarily on cross-border NAFTA immigration law for professionals as well as families and individuals looking to move to Canada or move to the United States. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. I have the pleasure of having with me Lucy Fong Lee, who is a senior immigration lawyer and also senior partner at her law firm in um, San Francisco. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, and it's Fallon Bixby Chang and Lee. And I'm really excited to have her with us. We can talk about her very impressive career, the clients she works with, and how she can help clients looking to move to the United States for business or investment. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you for having me, Evelyn. It's very nice to uh, be invited to this. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you. (laughs) So a little bit about myself and our firm. So our firm, Fallon Bixby Chang Lee, is the oldest immigration law firm in San Francisco. We were formally established in 1925 with the oldest file dating back to 1911. So we have a very long and rich history of practicing immigration law. I myself, um, I've been an immigration attorney for 28 years. I've enjoyed I never know you look like a baby. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I I think I think us women age well when we do what we enjoy right exactly yep you're right that's fabulous 28 years 28 years and we're still enjoying it no two cases are the same no two situations are the same the landscape changes all the time for uh, our cases Mm. in terms of the kind of uh, clientele and cases that we take on so they're I would say about 70, 75% of our practice is employment-based immigration. So that being said, we do a lot with professionals and the professionals range from entrepreneurs to investors, to engineers, to, you know, professionals who could be accountants, you name it, ballet dancers, uh, religious, you know, individuals like monks and priests. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun to, learn about people's businesses and their industries and what they do. We get really involved in uh, their businesses and their individual backgrounds. So we do deal with temporary work visas and permanent residents, green cards, uh, for individuals and families. They come from all over the world. It's uh, a pleasure to meet people from all over every day. And then with the 20, I would say 20, 25, 30%, the other practice is family-based immigration to unite families and citizenship. That's great. So can I just ask you, Lucy, you don't do any asylum type of work either, right? Or does that come up in your firm? Even if you... Yeah, it does come up. Sometimes we do have, um, you know, I probably, I practiced immigration uh, asylum law, oh, about... 25 to 20, you know, 28 years ago, it's a long time. Mm -hmm. So I I do have a background in asylum. And we do have other attorneys uh, who still do some asylum cases, but we don't primarily do the asylum cases. Sometimes we have to do them because they're connected with the employment base and the family base. And we need to make sure that everything synchronizes so that 
things flow smoothly for, for these sure. individuals. That makes sense. Okay. But in general, we refer those out. Yep. Same. How many lawyers do you have right now? So there's five lawyers That's in our firm. Fabulous. And overall, how big is your team? I think our team is about 10, 11 people or so. So you've got 10, 11. So it sounds like a similar firm size as, as ours, which is why I was really interested to meet you and be connected and figure out ways we can strategize together. Um, we have an exact same type of breakdown of clients as well. So it makes perfect sense that we would be able to refer opportunities to you. For instance, we have a lot of e-visa work as well. So that's something that I think, um, you know, we will be looking for support on. Um, can you tell me, what are you seeing right now with U.S. immigration? I mean, what are the latest and greatest? Is there anything happening that that maybe people don't know generally unless they're in it? Well, now we are still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I think that affects everything and everyone and how they do business, where they are, whether they're stuck here or stuck outside the United States. So I think at this moment, that is the most major driving force. Mm -hmm. We do have, because Americans are so bad at keeping masks on and containing themselves, not every American, but Mm -hmm. a lot of Americans, uh, some people might feel safer outside of the country and choose not to immigrate at this time or not to come back at this time. Uh, and others who are staying put, you know, there's restrictions on travel as well. Feel, I am just going to stay put. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. So I think that does affect a lot of people who have put certain parts of their life on hold at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. How about in Canada? I'm sure there is a yeah. great impact there. Well, I mean, obviously COVID has impacted us as well. And it's really um, been interesting to watch the difference on both sides of the border because we're still getting people into Canada for business, for work permits, for permanent residents. Um, and then they do their two-week quarantine, which is mandatory across right. the country. That's the difference with us. It looks like how we're managing COVID. Yes. You know, for us, if someone actually, nobody can come as a visitor right now. So no tourism. Nobody's going to Banff legally. <laughs> you can only come in for work that's considered essential or professional. And then you have to do two weeks of quarantining. So um, I think we're doing a better job at the moment in terms of how we're keeping people out. But I'm also getting lots and lots of calls from Americans who are considering, how can I move to Canada? I've been thinking yes. about it. And I, you know, the last election and now maybe this election and I really need to make a plan. So we're getting a lot of the, and we'll see what happens. It's not easy to just pick up your life and start over somewhere else. Right. So there is a lot of strategic planning. Uh, Anything that happens economically, politically, socially, uh, with COVID included in socially, mm-hmm. it's it affects our practices, whether it's in the United States or Canada or anywhere around the world. And so, yes, we do have an election coming up and people are uh, factoring that in somewhat into how they do business, where they want to be, where they want to live, mm-hmm. where they want to be with their loved ones. In terms of uh, politically also, uh, we do have intertwined with COVID, we do have certain bans that are related to COVID travel bans. We also have certain bans uh, based on certain work visas into the U.S. Some people who have those visas can come in. For example, e-visa holders are not impacted Mm. at this point, but L visas are 
for intracompany transferees. And those are in effect until the end of the year. And then we have to see who's going to become our next president mm-hmm. of the United States. Any changes. But I know that the restrictions on the L's don't affect Canadians. That's what No, I, they don't. So that's great. They we're, don't. we're lucky because when it comes to the NAFTA L's, at least yes. they're still being processed. Yes. Um, what about the H-1Bs? We've also been getting a lot of calls from people. I would say in the last couple of years with everybody looking at how long green cards are taking, they're starting to look at, we could become a permanent resident in Canada in two yes. years. So are you seeing a lot of transition in that way too? We are seeing people who transition to Canada and are con- giving it serious consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the job market, the developing tech sector up in Canada. Uh, you have uh, people from certain countries who are not welcome into the United States, uh, you know, for whatever reasons. Yeah, political. Um, political <laughs> reasons. And they're welcome into Canada. And, and, it's, and it's fine. We tell yeah. them, look, you're better off up there. Uh, you can get your perm- your visa and your permanent residence faster in Canada. Mm. So I encourage you to do that. And think hard if you really want to come to the United States and why you want to be here. Mm-hmm. So we're not eager and anxious to push anyone into. We do want them to think about it very carefully. For sure. But people That's who are very different yeah. between the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Go back and forth. Yeah. I think the timing, I mean, tell me about the current processing times in the U.S. that you know of. I mean, right now in the midst of COVID, um, what is actually happening for your, um, your applications so that it seems like they're taking longer and longer? Are the staff still furloughed? Is that, I remember hearing about that. So what happened was that there is, there's, there's two things that happened. In terms of furlough, so for the entire immigration service for Homeland Security, mm-hmm. uh, there was no, there's no furlough as far oh, as that is concerned. Okay, okay. so they're safe that there because they were going to furlough, I think, up to seventy-five percent of their workforce. Now, there is a facility, I believe, it's somewhere in Kansas that they okay. and and it's connected with a contractor, and they are furloughed. Okay, and that's oh, impacting okay. certain processing of certain applications in that regard, but not overall, not the bigger picture overall. Now there's that. Now for the district offices, the the local offices for USCIS, for immigration that people walk into Mm -hmm. uh, for interviews, whether it's for permanent residence, for US citizenship, they're not furloughed. However, because COVID is still present they are working at a 25% capacity to social distance and to space out their officers and the public from coming in. They don't want people to be in the building very long. Mm -hmm. You you look at the weight room, just very few people in there and you can't sit near each other or being, and there's plexiglass between the officer and you and your- 25%, that's like nobody. Yeah. So nothing is happening. Is anything happening with your application? Things are are happening. So anything that is being mailed to the immigration service or emailed, some things are uploaded electronically, like Mm -hmm. our U.S. Department of Labor, U.S. Department of State. Things are, it it depends on which agency. They're they're still chugging along. They're moving along. And we are getting approvals. It just depends on the type of case. So somewhere, for example, we're here on an H-1B work visa. And they want to do an extension. That's fine. They can do get an extended. They can stay. If they wanted to get it expedited and do premium mm-hmm. process, they can get that done in 15 days. Okay. That's fine. Regular processing is several months. Yeah. Now, 
before walking into an office, if there's an interview scheduled, they are, for right now, waiving employment-based permanent resident interviews once again. Those were waived for a very long time. And then under the Trump administration, it was brought back to yeah. interview each and every single person. They couldn't, didn't have enough office space, you know, and it was so behind to even, they, they maxed out the number of officers they hired and they were still behind. They were behind like 18 months, even before oh, COVID. Goodness. So when the immigration service closed down for a few months during COVID, um, when it was really bad, and they reopened at the 25% capacity in July. They, they start with citizenship. And then they're, they're moving toward the permanent residence applications. I have people who've been waiting over a year, 18 months. It could be upwards of 24 months. We're going to wait and see. My goodness. That's yeah. just so disheartening when you've probably spent years and years to get to this stage and now you're waiting longer. What right. I'm finding with my team here at ACA Law is we're doing a lot of uh, calming clients down, a lot of therapeutic support. You know what yes. I mean? It's, yes. They're all frustrated and we're frustrated. And I think it's just letting them know that everything is slowing down, but nothing has stopped. It's still there. Yes. Still in good standing until we get a decision and just to be patient and figure out some options for them because it is stressful. And I'm sure you're doing the same, but we spend a lot of time giving updates monthly, checking in weekly, depending on the client. The other day I did a call with a client in Switzerland, a Zoom call, because we got a notification something was being held because of the political climate and COVID. And she wanted to know, what does that mean for my application? So rather than just another call or a quick email, we arranged a Zoom and you could tell at the end, she was so grateful that she could see my face and she knew I was telling the truth. And she knew that I'm as frustrated as she is, but that we have a backup plan and you know we could strategize. Are you seeing that with your clients too? Yes, every day. We are truly counselors and in yeah. <laughs> more ways than practicing law nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's been like that. And I do find that uh, if it's not a phone call, a Zoom, video chat, mm-hmm. any way to communicate with that human interaction, because I think people are just, they're not able to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And the moment it's not electronic, I mean, email's fine too, but you hear a voice or you see somebody, mm-hmm. it relieves some of that stress. You're right. And, and, and it's really nice to find that and ask people, how are you? Mm-hmm. I mean, here in California, we have wildfires now. So on top of COVID, we have bad smoke, bad air. We have, I mean, it's, it's seasonal now. Yeah. And the wineries, some of the wineries are burning up in oh. Sonoma as I speak right now. So uh, we, we have multiple things, but it, it's, it's nice to just touch base and ask, how are you? How are your spouse? How are your children? Yeah. And how are you coping? And we have people who are very stressed out, not just about their cases, but about uh, homeschooling their kids while they're trying to work, um, you know, trying to care for elderly parents while they can't see them. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a lot. And I, there's a lot. Yeah. So I, I think the positive side is that we're, we're kinder. Everyone's kinder. Everyone's gentler. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be um, more conscientious of each other. Yeah. It's, I agree. 
that part I like. Me too. I agree. I mean, when COVID started at our firm, right away, we were on the phone with our clients. Um, Everybody else worked from home, but I was in the office and um, socially distanced. Nobody was here but me, but it's easier because I have young kids than to be at home teaching them. So thank goodness we had home support to teach them. But I literally called every client and just was like, how are you doing? And they need to hear it. And we've been doing it sequentially. Now we're on our third or fourth round because it just goes on and on. And the the more we touch base, some of them are no longer with their companies anymore, or some of their businesses have declined significantly. And you get those updates and you figure out if there's any way you can help. But you're right, we are counselors. And that's why sometimes at the end of a long day, we are drained because in addition to just the work that we love, it's also the emotional toll of worrying about people's status. What happens if you lose your job? And now you're, you know what I mean? Your status is at risk and not like you can go home right now with COVID. And so there's a lot of problem solving and being strategic that I enjoy, but it's, it's been a while now. We're ready for some things to be normalized. I'm sure. Yeah. I think this is the best time to build goodwill with clients, Mm -hmm. with people, whether they're existing clients or they haven't retained you yet or they're just poking around because at the end of the day, it's whoever takes the time to yes. talk to them. And I am finding, I am similar to you. I'm spending, we're spending more time with our clients mm-hmm. and you know, we wouldn't be doing immigration law if we didn't care about people or their situations. Of course. I, I think everyone has my home number now. <laughs> I'm not quite there. <laughs> they all have my mobile number because when people, when our clients travel, I'm on call. 24 7 if something happens at the airport so they all have my mobile but not my home and there's got to be some place um are you guys all working from home right now for the most part we are rotating into the office okay that makes sense because the cases have to be mailed uh they we get we get paper documents from the government every day so every work day we do have people at the office in and out picking up things that's great and how about your office um we're basically back to the office um but we're socially distanced we all have offices we just come in and close our doors and wipe everything down and we don't intermingle and nobody comes into the office so our big thing is we want to protect the team that's here you know 10 people in two big spaces we're in um attached to each other in our offices so we're kind of you know, we work independently and we call each other <laughs> in the office. Um, I was going to ask you about the technology you've used, you know, but, but being a, such a successful firm with so much history, um, what have you done to help with, let's say, your intake process? How do people find you? And then how do you glide them into your, your process? Well, how people find us. So a lot of times they come through referrals of either existing clients other attorneys, whether they're immigration attorneys who may or may not practice in the same space, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. Some people call and say, well, I do employment-based, but I don't deal with restaurants. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> we can I, grew up in the, I grew up in the restaurant business. So to <laughs> me, it's just fun. Like, oh, really? What kind of food yeah, is that? Yeah, of course. But, you know, and, and sometimes there are attorneys in other areas of law. It could be a business attorney saying, well, I'm setting up this company, but they need to know about the immigration side. So I know how to set up the entity. So there's a lot of dynamics there. Some might be family law attorneys saying, oh, I have a couple getting divorced. And one of the spouses, you know, may or may not have permanent residence and it may be affected. So there's, there's that existing clients. And sometimes, um, I've had some people say, oh, I found you on the internet. I'm like, really? What's out there on the internet on me? <laughs> and of course, 
course, there are professional organizations yeah. that I do belong to. And I, 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 I like to volunteer. I tend to give a lot and volunteer with any uh, nonprofit group. Yeah. You know, uh, that I'm with, whether it's a bar association or a professional organization, yeah. it's just a lot of fun. I, I mean, I really like pitching in and sharing my knowledge and, uh, and also grooming younger attorneys mm-hmm. so they can uh, grow up to be excellent <laughs> attorneys someday. But that being said, you know, it, it comes back. People come back and say, you know, I have a potential client or I have something for you. And a lot of times I just give people some time when they call mm-hmm. me. And if it doesn't develop now, it develops in the future and you Absolutely. come back. It's very common. They'll say, oh, you talked to me three or five years ago. I'm like, remember <laughs> me? I'm like, oh, yes, I remember you. <laughs> Depending on the facts of the case. <laughs> I know. But, but Evelyn, I do turn away people yes. every day. Not because of being too busy. I, we're all busy. Yes. I don't think we're ever too busy. But it's because if a case is not right or it's not ripe. I like to tell them why. Mm-hmm. So I do like to plan people's lives for the short term and long term. Yeah. So they know what to expect. There's no surprises. Exactly. And also so that they have a reasonable expectation going down the path of life. I understand. What may or may not come. Exactly. So definitely the same. It's important for us. We use some technology to help get through the process. And we have a client engagement coordinator who talks to every potential lead or who calls us by referral or existing client or online they find us but we have to screen because we're not all things to all people so just like you we have our expertise and our specialization where we know we can be successful but other areas we may not be the right fit and so when it's litigation based asylum based um you know refugee things like that we we always outsource because that is not our area of expertise. And I think it's important to know what you do well and what you're not really doing or interested in developing. Because we've spent, I've spent 22 years, you spent 28 years learning your craft. So we want to be successful for our clients. So that you're right, we don't take everybody. And so allows us to screen and learn the facts and learn the story and learn the history, and then make a decision if they're right to do a consultation with one of our professionals. And how many attorneys are in your firm? We have two, and then we have two articling students. So that would be four. Articling students in Canada are those that just finished law school. And they're, yeah, they have to, in Canada, do 12 months. That plus their bar exams before they're lawyers. So hopefully in about, I don't know now, maybe eight months, we'll have four lawyers. And then, I really like that system. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't imagine coming out of law school and just opening your door and saying, I'm a lawyer. Think about how little we knew out of law school, you know? <laughs> And we're always learning. So how can you feel, I don't know, it's such a strange world to me that people just put up their shingle right out of school. It's a very different model. It's a very British model. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. And then how do you work in your office when, when you develop a case and decide it's something? It's in teams and, mm. and, how do you, and how do you handle that? Yeah, we use, as I said, we use a lot of the technology. So everything from our, you know, phone system into our, we use CRM, it's Clio, um, Clio Grow is what yes. we use and captures. So we've got leads that will call us five years later and we can find them. They'll yes. be like, that's that person. Now they're back. Now they're ready. And it's so great. They're always shocked when we can remember their facts because they're in the system. And same right. in our chat bot. So we've got a lot. We use a lot of social media because in Canada, um, to be able to sit, to, to separate yourself when you're a small boutique, 
I used to be at a big, big law partner, you know, at a global law firm. And you don't have to do as much social media because you're getting referrals from all your partners across the world. It's right. different now. And so all of that feeds into our CRM. And then we have an automated retainer agreement process. So everything's done online. And then we have a practice management system that captures everything. So once the file is open, then I usually determine between the four of us and we have two offsite um, contractors as well who help us when we're really busy. They're really great as well. Then we just distribute the work. But we're still team-oriented, meaning I'm always involved in the file. I want people to feel like if they retain our firm, they also retain me. Yes. Whether or not I'm doing every form or every submission, I review everything. And that, that's, that makes it challenging. I'm looking to develop our, our lawyers to be more senior, so pretty soon I won't need to be involved with every file. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So I have to say, I, at the risk of sounding like a, a control freak, I don't think I am. I, like, I do like to delegate. Lawyers are. <laughs> I, I think part of it is it's always interesting, but I, always, I also like to uh, chime in and chip in, you know, where I, I feel, hey, there's an issue here or there's something that's changed or something that's new or there's some background information. So when we do develop the case and anyone in the firm can develop the case and become it becomes something then we, we do use uh, a firm's software with a database yep. uh, actually we have a, a timekeeping software that yeah. we use for um, keeping track of what's what so we have different ways do so you we have the forms may I ask do you flat fee generally or are you hourly it's it's kind of both so it's project-based so it yeah. starts with a flat fee and we tried to make it project-based okay but with the caveat that if something happens so something along the way uh, someone says oh by the way i never told you i was arrested <laughs> <laughs> never happens to us <laughs> right and you think oh i see <laughs> i see and the government security check us <laughs> uh, expose that so now we need to deal with this they're like oh i didn't think that made a difference oh like, my goodness so yeah. well your your fees just went up because yes, now we have to did. deal with this <laughs> Yes, they did. And so we try our best to gauge to give them a realistic expectation. Mm. And sometimes if the government comes back to ask for additional things, you yeah, can like tell they didn't look for it because they're, ask, they're asking for things they've already received. Oh, so then we just give it to them thinking, oh my goodness, really? <laughs> um, so we just give it back. And other times we've, we've warned our clients, like, look, this may be a challenging case and prepare yourself. And this is what you might want to gather in the meantime, just in case. Good. Yeah. So then we go on to hourly after okay. that. So you move, oh, that's a great model. So you move from flat fee when it's certain and you can quote, and then all the uncertain elements, you move into hourly. Right. When you some, can. Right. And sometimes, sometimes legal procedures change. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we have something new called the public charge self-sufficiency requirement for all permanent resident cases. Yeah. It requires... I mean, the document itself is like 18 pages long. And then it requires like supporting documents. You have to explain it to show that mm-hmm. your client's not going to go on public assistance with the government. Yes. yes, It does take more time and it's new. So it was introduced and we said, oh, great. Now we have to add more fees. And then there was, there was, uh, there were some lawsuits in federal court. So there was an injunction. Then we didn't have to do it. Like, oh, great. We save our clients money. And then the injunction was lifted and then it came back and our clients were like, what? We need to pay you more money for this. Oh, my goodness. Then we have to explain it, and then we have to back it up and show them the links to the, you know, what's going on in the course yeah. and explain it. 
So it's, it's that, that's why it's good. It's yeah. good to kind of, and, and it takes a lot of communicating. Yes, you're right. Well, one of the questions I have for you, a lot of our Canadian clients, not a lot, but sometimes they'll have some visa waiver issues or, you know, inadmissibility, something that happened, you know, 25 years ago. And now it's, it's, um, it's out there and it's maybe stopping them from entering the U.S. under normal circumstances. And we used to, we used to process them because they were yes. being able to be done at the airports yes. and submitted to ARO and we just wait and go on from there. And now it's under this ECAS system. Have you done one since they've changed to that ECASE or ECAS where you have to upload everything first? Like it's just a very different visa waiver program. This is for the temporary entries even like this is this this is this is for the uh people who come in as visitors exactly it's it's the way it's the waiver of the uh of the non-immigrant yes entry yeah so we we have done it it is extremely difficult Mm it's frustrating and it takes a while Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know i have to say it goes on a case-by-case basis and it depends on the facts of the case Mm -hmm. and it depends on your client and how they present themselves of course, have more compelling, um, you know, tugging in your heartstrings type facts yeah. than others where it's just not sympathetic sometimes. <laughs> other than when I go to Disneyland, you know, and it's not- I know. I, it's like, I need, I need to go to Vegas for my birthday party. I'm like, oh yeah. no, I'm sorry. That's not compelling enough. Well, you know, someone might say what well, it is to them. So the answer. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, we, we actually do quite a bit of it. And I'm kind of interested to see what's going to change because we've done our first- E-CAS, I think it's called, or E-CASE, where you upload everything. Now the ports, because of COVID, you're not allowed to do it, submit it at the port of entry at the airport, where they take your biometrics and then they send it into the U.S. for processing. And right. so it's all new. And this is the thing about immigration is there's constant change and you have to stay up to date because one minute you're doing one way, next minute we had to redo applications for our two or three of our clients looking for visa waivers. But these ones were employment-based. So right. those who wanted TNs or L1s, but we knew we had this criminality to overcome, right, before we could get them in. Um, how do you stay on top of all the changes? <sighs> oh, boy. It, it takes a whole village. We have, yeah. you know, all the lawyers in the office, we're, we're, every day we're scouring uh, for updated information. We actually do get a lot of information from our, you know, AILA, the American Ayla, Immigration Lawyers yeah. Association. They're wonderful. Yes. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> and I think the reason why uh, I like to give back and volunteer with AILA and do so mm-hmm. much is because I don't think I could practice immigration law without their support. Yeah. And, I, and I love the camaraderie yeah. of all the immigration lawyers. So, and whatever we get that's updated, we share it with everybody. Great. We share with everybody electronically, mm-hmm. and then we'll, we could discuss it electronically. They make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. And then if we need to notify clients, we just divide and conquer, or we send an e-blast. So we, you know, we're, it's a daily thing. Yeah, never ending. It's never ending. And sometimes our clients educate us. They find yeah. information, and we're always asking, how was it? What were you asked? How did it go? <laughs> and did it work? Did it not work? Mm-hmm. So, for example, now we have the national interest exceptions for countries that are banned from coming into the United yeah. States, certain countries. And uh, the exception is, you know, some people want to – they may quarantine in a third country for 14 yes. days before they come here. And, you know, and the instructions are not clear. So, you know, 
it's like the, you apply at the consulate or the embassy mm-hmm. and then to see how that goes. And you have to apply the port of entry on this end. You have to withdraw the other one to see which one goes through. And in the meantime, you have uh, visitors, people who may come in who may or may not be admitted. I know. And it's, it's very nerve wracking. Yeah. And they're flying from a very long distance. Yes. I'm finding the airlines are becoming incredibly restrictive because they're all nervous about the possibility of somebody coming in, maybe having COVID or some yes. other, and to the point where they're becoming immigration. We had, an, yes. we had a story um, two weeks ago, a client from, from San Francisco, wonderful executive, big business. We set him up. So what we do at Akalatu is we set up an intercompany transfer. We cr- incorporated him in a province here where he wanted to operate to bring his family. And he has businesses all over the world. So this is, you know, an executive of real merit. And, and we prepped him. He's an American citizen. Um, even though he was born in another country, very successful. We prepped him, knew what to do. I got a call at six in the morning from, from him at the airport because the airline would not let him on the plane and they were screening him like immigration. And I had to educate the, it was ridiculous. Me, she, this is a customer service, not even, they hadn't even encountered immigration because they encountered immigration when they landed in Canada. This was before he could get on a plane for two hours. We had to scramble and just talk and talk and talk so that she could be satisfied that he had his package that was legitimate and he would get his work permit. He got a three-year work permit upon entry in 10 minutes. But the airlines I'm finding are very, they're doing a lot of scrutiny right now. That's very, in, yeah, that's very interesting mm. that they wouldn't even let him, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're seeing that from Europe as well. So it's a whole new world in practice, that's for sure. And I'm looking forward to finding ways to work together, Lucy, and refer work. And if do you get any people ever ask about Canadian immigration? From I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I actually have um, some companies that ask about opening up uh, an entity or related mm-hmm. office up there mm-hmm. or sub office. Because it's become increasingly difficult to get a work visa yes. uh, for non-Canadians, like yes. H-1B. Yes. And so it would be a situation where they're either uh, people from a third country, not, not Canada, or mm-hmm. maybe they're U.S. citizens. And, you know, they can't get the talent here. They can't get them into the country. And so then they have to develop another office and staying in North America, going to Canada. I, I, we got a lot of calls, especially this year during COVID <laughs> about what do we do now? I'm like, well, I think you better start looking at Canada. Yeah. If you, you know, see if there's a way for people to get a work visa or to establish an entity. No, just don't, don't operate out of your apartment. You should open up an entity there. Yes. Yeah, we will. It's called nearshoring and we do a lot of it where people will, you know, especially from Silicon Valley, I'm sure your experience is the H1B challenges is they in the last two three years we've moved a number of corporations with um, headquarters in Cal- you know California or the U.S. into Canada so they can bring their skilled workers and right. it is it works meaning that within two years of permanent residence but if they have that intercompany transfer ability one year already of employment just like the L much much easier than the L right, right. you know your packages the L's are massive um, we can bring them you know into Canada probably in a matter of a month or two, under normal pre-COVID times, consular processing, and then they get started with their lives in Canada. So 
we definitely are experts in that area and we'd love to help anytime. And I know now you're on our referral list, you and your firm and your colleagues. So when we have anything that's, you know, E, visa or any complicated OP, all those, all those alphabets of law, <laughs> as they call it, the U.S. alphabet of immigration, um, we'll definitely be reaching out to you because I think you and I practice in that same mindset of the client first. And, and we will be sure reaching out to you with you. Uh, individuals and with companies as we encourage them, please, you know, <laughs> uh, set up something in Canada. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, th- there are laws. <laughs> We're not free for all. We have laws. I know that one thing we talked about before we wrap up is you also work with people who are looking, you provide connections for lawyers internationally. Sounds like you've got a really nice global network of colleagues. How have you developed that over the years? Well, I have people that may say, look, I want to immigrate, you know, to another country Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Maybe their business is over in another country or this is very interesting. I've had, not a lot, but I've had some people, maybe people have more time to think about it now because they're <laughs> at home. They think, you know, I, I think I could derive citizenship from El Salvador, mm-hmm. from Ireland, from the UK, you know, from Japan. And it has to do with property rights, inheritance rights. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. And wow. so, and in, in some of these countries, allow dual citizenship. Japan doesn't. Yes. Yeah. And now Canada does. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> I have clients that have citizenship with, you know, with like two other, you know, other countries, and yeah. then they add Canada, and then they come here. Wow. And, I, and I just ask them, what do you have? Tell me all your citizenships. <laughs> let's see what works. So let's not let's leave it. A tre- no. Let's see if there's a treaty, you know, and we uh. can get you here. That's great. But it's, it's nice. So there is a global mobility um, uh, group that I'm connected to. And it's actually through AILA yeah. as well. And what happens is we can shoot out. It's very easy. Email globally all over the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, can somebody deal with, you know, getting somebody to Israel? You know, whether it's a work That's visa right. or here's a situation or, it, and it doesn't have to be immigration. It could be um, a fam- it could be a family law attorney. It could be setting up a business. Mm-hmm. It could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. People will come back and reach out. And if someone in the group doesn't do that, they will likely know other colleagues who practice it. And it's, it's a wonderful resource. Oh, and my I need to clients love it. They just shoot it back. Oh, I need to get you connected. I need to join that group. It's I will get you connected a great resource. That. I think it's a wonderful and resource. And it's worth every penny, but I feel like I'm not using it as fully as I can. You know, I'm so focused on what are the changes at the border and the ports of entry and, you know, um, stories we hear from each other. But I'm going to look at that. And I know you're going to help me get connected. Yes, I will help you, you get into that. People are always looking and, you know, I miss being part of a global firm, mostly for that, not for anything else, but to be able to call, pick up the phone and say, we have a client in Canada and you're here in the UK and can you work with them? And it's still under the same umbrella. In this case, I'm happy to refer it out and have someone get the good support they need from another AILA member, you know what I mean? Or a local lawyer from that country that practices at the same level. That's what I'm looking for. So It's extremely useful, especially if you're looking for certain documents. Yeah. In some countries, it may be hard to get a birth certificate, a police record, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, a, a deed to a piece of property. It, it could be a lot of things. Mm. So it's extremely useful 
I will look into it for sure. I have one question for you right now before we wrap up. Have you ever done a proxy marriage immigration case? Oh. <laughs> because I'm getting calls about proxy marriages because of COVID. And I don't do that. But I know that there are some lawyers and countries where it's legal and you can do it. And So we can't. Okay. So that's that's not allowed here. Okay. Okay, so what is so people do need to all be in the same place yeah. to get married, uh, even before COVID, even yeah. now. So uh, they want them to be in the same place to get married in order to be recognized anywhere in the world. Now, during COVID, because not all the uh, Hall of Justices or city halls are open, the municipalities of the cities mm-hmm. uh, for an in-person wedding, there's a lot of virtual weddings going on. Oh, my goodness. With all sorts of counties. And get this. The marriage license is docu-signed. So it's electronically <laughs> signed. Oh, my God. It's so fabulous. And as long as, as, long as the couple that's getting Are married together. together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. And they do it, you know, in a virtual video conference. <laughs> and they docu-sign it. And then they get them this marriage license. Oh, my God. That, that is isn't, so that, cool. isn't that interesting? It's so cool. I mean, nowadays people are getting married during COVID and Zoom weddings and all kinds of stuff. But I didn't realize that the commissioner, for instance, could be somewhere else zooming in the the marriage ceremony. That's impressive. That's very it's, good. It's very impressive. I've yeah. also read, I've also know of drive-through weddings. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's more with like your, your family and your guests. But I yeah. think what the with the governments, the local governments, it's, yeah, they, they have things scheduled. People have been calling us asking because, of course, some of the people are separated, you know, like whether it's India yes. or China or Africa, and they were planning to be married. Now they can't travel. And they were asking, yes. and I, I just say, we don't in Canada recognize it. We can't, we can't do it because you can't rely upon it. And so we have to tell them we have to wait and wait yes. for this to process and, you know, wait till it's all done so you can get on the plane and go and visit and get married and then start your life, right? So, right. I think the closest thing we can do is to start and initiate a fiancé visa if they're not married. Yeah. And, and they, they've met within the last two years in person, mm. um, more likely than not they have. Okay. And just say, look, with the timing, let's just get that initiated. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I wish we had that in Canada. You know, in Canada, there's no fiancé visa. Really? We don't have it. We have spousal common law, which means you have to be together, um, same-sex marriage, but we do not have a fiancé visa. So it, it's a whole category that you have, which is why I love a 90-day fiancé. Oh, that shows. No, it's just over the top. It's like that, you know, bad TV you watch when you've had a 12-hour day and you just went to bed. But, um, yeah, I wish we had it because – it would help a lot of people, but it's either you're married right, or you can prove your common law for 12 months or nothing. You can't do the almost married, come in and get married within 90 days. And yeah, it's very different. So that's one thing you guys have on us. Do you guys allow in the U.S. same-sex marriages? We do. Okay, good. We do. Well, at least for now. Yeah, until, until, until our Supreme Court decides to overturn I it. I before, I mean, we've, you and I have been doing this for a long time. There wasn't even a category for that before. And we in Canada were ahead and we, yes. we've been doing it for years. And yes. I always wondered if you guys came along too, so that for your spousals, you recognize them, that they're married or even common law as same sex. So we don't have common law that, that's recognized. It has, right, it has to be... Um, at minimal, a civil ceremony. It has to be registered um, anywhere in the world. 
I have lots of couples that have been together for a long time somewhere else in the world, you know, and they say, oh, well, we've been common law, you know, couple for 10 years in the Netherlands. I'm like, I'm sorry. You, you have to be married. That's so old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. Old fashioned. I've had yeah. some clients, some Canadians who were together the same thing for 15 years, have children together, and he gets an L1. And then it's like, what do we do with her? You know, and we've had to get her, you know, if they didn't want to be married for whatever reason, we'd have to get her like a B2 long term to come and be there. But she doesn't get the L2 because she, they're not married. And I thought, wow. You didn't want to get married for whatever reason. You imagine, well, some people, I don't know what it is, but it just seems so weird that some people are living in so many different family units and they still have to comply to some of the old traditional, right? Right. Units. What about like family members that you bring along with you? Like sometimes people call me and say, I have a grandpa that lives with us. Can we come to the U.S. and bring that parent with us because we're caring for them? No? No. Oh. I wish. I, I wish. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because when people call me, whether it starts off with employment-based or family-based, I always – actually, I, I love this part of my job because I get to be nosy. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I always ask them about – you know, their marital status and their children, how old are their children. But I also asked, do you have siblings? And how about your parents, or your grandparents, how old are they? And who's taking care of them? And what do you envision for your childcare here? And mm. I mean, do you want your parents to continue to help you with your children? Or are your parents elderly and you're the only one who's taking care of your parents? Mm. And you know, do you, are, do you want to bring over that parent someday? I, so there's a lot of that planning. Yeah. People don't, they get surprised when I ask them. I'm like, no, this is important because we've been doing this long enough to see people say, oh my goodness, I think I need to give up my green card now. I need to go back to take care of my parent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell them, you know, so this is the long-term planning of it is, well, let's get them here so you can be together. And the healthcare issue, I know you have national healthcare in Canada, yeah. but here in the U.S., Oh, it's so expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. That's a big issue for people. Oh, that is heartbreaking. Yeah, we, we get asked those questions and sometimes we can bring, depends on which country, parents can visit for six months or, you know, at a time. But we have something called the super visa. We're up to two years. They can be here as long as you oh. have there, And it could last for 10 years. So it's built to create, even if they can't sponsor them right away, because our sponsorship of parents um, and grandparents is like a lottery too. And it's right. gone in five minutes. And it's pretty oh. cool because everybody wants to bring, you know, an extended family, especially culturally, if you're from a different culture. You yes. Want. And, but we have the super visa where they can have a long-term visa and come, and then they can be renewed from inside Canada. So long as you can pay their health care, which is not cheap because they make you pay. You're not allowed to be a part of the national plan as the visitor, the long-term visitor. But it's great for, I mean, we have family friends who used it and had a family member, a mother grandmother watching grandkids for like eight years. I mean, the amount of cost savings. That's a wonderful support. visa. And when she was ready, she went back home, just, you know, had enough. So it would be nice to see some changes like that on both sides of the border where it contemplates extended family members, you know. I would love to see that change. <laughs> I would I would love our, our, our U.S. and Canadian immigration also just mirror image. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. <laughs> it 
could be easier, I think, too. It'd be so much easier. I would love it. Anyway, I want to thank you so much. Ah, No, thank you. Thank you, Avalon. You are such an expert and so impressive and just so knowledgeable. And I'm so grateful that we are connected now. And now you can't get rid of me. I'm going to be on you. And and I'm great to such great compatibility ah, with with our practices and our clientele. I love it. So I will be in touch. And I look forward to seeing you on social media. Now that we've done our podcast, we'll share it and you can use it as much as you want. And I really, really appreciate your time and your knowledge. And just know that our team will be reaching out with questions and potentials, but also to keep the communication growing in the cross, um, the cross border transfer of knowledge. We really want to make sure we learn from you. And oh, anytime. And I will be asking you for updates on the border and yes. who can cross the border in, from Canada Absolutely. into the U.S. or who can go into Canada from the U.S. or from other countries. Yes. I would be, help. I'll be looking to you. I'm late. I'm looking for COVID to be finished so we can go back to our lives. But we in all meantime, are. Yeah. On the meantime, you call anytime. And I'm so grateful to you. Congratulations on the firm. All these years you've been there. I'm really impressed. So Fallon, Bixby, Chang, and Lee. We only have 10 years of about being on our own. So we have another 80 years to go to keep up. But you have a you. lot of experience. <laughs> you have, and, and I think that's worth so much. And you, you have a successful and growing business. Thank you. Um, I think it's it's wonderful. And similar to you, I came from a big multinational law firm as well that had yeah. 600 lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a lot more fun. This is and, fun. It's more work sometimes, right? <laughs> but I think we're more agile. We're yeah. more agile and you can pick and choose and pick and choose which cases are good yes. and you can execute them much yeah. faster and, exactly. and with more precision. No, there's not as much bureaucracy. That's the reason I started my firm. And so I'm really glad to know you and to be a colleague. And I want to wish you all the best and say thank you so much for appearing well, thank you. on our podcast. Take good care of yourself. Okay. Thanks. Well, you take care too, Evelyn. Thank I you. I will. Take care. I hope the information was valuable to you. Please do let me know if you have any questions. You can reach us at akalaw.com, A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com, or you can contact us by phone at 403-452-9515. Have a great day. Thank you.